Hi and hello! You found the podcast for moms who don't have time for podcasts. You can think of me as your internet bestie as we share recommendations, laugh about the ridiculous things we see online, and cheer each other on. I'm Indiana Adams, and today, by the way, is the short and sweet podcast that hopefully brightens your day. I am so glad you're here. Welcome to my very first bonus episode of Today, by the Way. In case you're new here, Today, by the Way is a community-minded podcast for busy moms hosted solo by me. I'm Indiana Adams, and hosting this show is one of my greatest joys and privileges. In a community the size of ours, I want to recognize that there are many different faiths and people who choose not to ascribe to any faith tradition at all. I am a Christian. And I used to work for a well-known podcast that was also made of Christians. And so a lot of our listeners just so happen to also be Christians. Every time I do an Ask Me Anything or tap our community to see what topics we should cover, I am asked to share how I became a Christian. I have felt the tug to answer this for a while now, but I wasn't sure how to do that while also respecting our community of inclusiveness that we have so beautifully built here. I also want to acknowledge that the church is imperfect, made of made of sinners. In a community our size, I am sure that the church has been responsible for heartache and even abuse. And I'm sorry, that should have never happened to you or to anyone. So that's a little why I've been reluctant to share. This isn't a perfect solution, but I, I do think it works. Today, I am sharing my story of faith as a bonus episode of Today, by the Way, and tomorrow is another bonus episode in which I'll be sharing a little more about how faith plays a part in our family's everyday lives through family devotionals, prayer, and serving in the church, since that's another question I get fairly often. If that does not at all interest you, I will be back on Friday on my birthday with our regularly scheduled content. But today... Today is the day that I tell you how Jesus changed everything. First, some background. I grew up as one of the only Asian kids in a small town in southern Indiana. My parents were divorced, and when I was three, my father, who had custody of me, died in a helicopter crash while serving in the Army. After that, I was raised by his parents, who didn't go to church themselves, but would use church as a free babysitter for me. My grandma would literally drop me off at the door on Sunday mornings, and I clearly remember being as young as six, so Lucy's age, and sitting in the front pew of the adult service with my Cabbage Patch doll alone. I wish that I could say that my conversion to Christ happened that early, but it didn't. My knowledge of God was minimal and didn't go much beyond silly VBS songs. I really had no idea what the preacher was saying on Sunday mornings, But I am certain that this church started praying for the little dark-haired girl sitting all alone. My grandparents were pretty hands-off as parents, and I was an only child, so my childhood was very lonely. My race and home situation made me markedly different than my peers. And because of that, I spent most of my childhood and young adult life trying to prove to everyone that I was special and deserving of admiration and love. I stopped going to church around age nine, so around Jude's age, because I started feeling just immensely foolish sitting there week after week without a family. There was a church directory being made, and I didn't want to be alone in my photo. 
I spent my middle school childhood trying to keep feelings of loneliness at bay. I would jump from friend to friend group and I tried desperately to get the attention of boys and I tried to stand out as special, but also really just wanted to belong. And that, that loneliness, that always feeling like an outsider thing, but wanting so badly to be loved, that really defined my life. Starting my freshman year of high school, I was in three long-term relationships, one after another, so from the ninth grade up until my sophomore year of college. I sought affection in these guys, one of whom was abusive, and found security in integrating myself into their families. I worked really hard to be lovable and useful in my boyfriend's families because deep down inside, I felt unlovable and useless, and that feeling was further compounded when the abusive boyfriend kept cheating on me and, after two years together, successfully isolated me from other friendships. And as sad as that is, here's the part of the story where we laugh. This is the part of the story where I have to share this one silly thing about me that was also a part of my identity, and that is... I used to be known for my immense appetite. I've won more than one eating contest that I have entered on a whim, and I used to be an appetizer, entree, extra side dish, and dessert kind of gal at a restaurant. Looking back, I wonder if this may have been something that I cultivated in myself for attention. I mean, people used to marvel at how someone my size could eat so much, but also because of the neglect in my home, I didn't have anyone telling me what and when to eat and how much to eat or when I would eat next. And so, God used pizza to bring me to Christ. When I was a junior in high school, my grandpa had a stroke and I was just going to move out on my own. But my aunt convinced me to move in with her and her family to finish high school. So, beginning my junior year, I moved a county over to live with them and their two young kids. I grew up dancing and had two dance classes on Wednesday nights with a big break in between. My aunt and uncle's church was in the same town as my dance studio, and they happened to have youth group on Wednesday nights. And that youth group happened to have free pizza. So at the age of 17, I found myself back in church. I would breeze in in my sweatpants on top of my leotard, pile my plate high with five slices of pizza, and just hunker down on the back to stuff my face. I'm from a small town, and this is not a large youth group where I could hide out, mind you, but I had no shame about this. (laughs) I was strictly there for the pizza, and I did not stand or sing along with the songs or bow my head in prayer. I was there to eat. Again, I am certain that this church started praying for the dark-haired girl in the back who was all alone. (laughs) Over time, I started making friends there. Everyone was really friendly and I would attend some of their youth group activities. I remember doing a lock-in. A lock-in is like when you spend the night somewhere and they say that you're locked in and you can't leave. But I remember doing a lock-in at a bowling alley with our youth group and was mortified when they had the bowling alley play DC Talk's song Jesus Freak over the loudspeakers, and then they just went nuts. They were standing on chairs, shouting the lyrics, and I was really embarrassed to be a part of this group, and I walked to another part of the bowling alley until the song was over. I wanted to be unique and special, but I didn't want to be weird and made fun of. On the home front at my aunt and uncle's house, I was reading the Christian-y books that they had laying around, and my family really cared about me and did the hard work of loving me and showing up to every play, every recital, and celebrating the 
very few academic victories I had. I could feel chinks of my loneliness starting to chip off. After an entire school year, one Wednesday night at youth group, it happened. As I was popping pepperoni into my mouth, a kid walked down to the altar and asked to dedicate his life to Christ. I watched as other kids gathered around him, hands on his back and shoulders, praying for him, and really just celebrating the heck out of that moment, but in a sweet way, not in an embarrassing kind of way like at the bowling alley. (laughs) The youth pastor, Rick, said a prayer for him, and everyone cheered. I knew this kid from high school. He was a year older than me and part of a bad crowd. He was a smoker. He wasn't cool by any means. And yet, here he was endeavoring to be changed by Christ. And the kids in this youth group loved him so well. And I just remember seeing his face. His face was so full of hope. I sat my greasy plate down on my lap and gripped the side of my chair so tight that my hands started to ache and tears were just rolling silently off my face. I was nearing the end of my junior year and I felt hopeless about my future. My terrible boyfriend and I were at a crescendo of anger in our relationship. I had no plans to go to college and I figured I'd just grow up and work in the factories like so many other people in my town did. I felt stuck and directionless and uneasy. My feelings of uselessness and loneliness were surging. I remember laying on the floor the previous week at home, shouting to the ceiling, God, if you are real, then show me. And as I sat there watching the celebration, I felt like God was shouting back at me, I am showing you. I've been showing you. When my dad died, God showed his love for me in giving me a home with my grandparents. When my grandpa had a stroke, God showed his love for me in giving me a home with my aunt and uncle. When my relationship became unbearable, God was showing his love for me by giving me the strength and resolve to get out of it. The way that my childhood was written, I should have grown up to be a drug user or a teen mom or just another sad statistic. God showed me love I did not deserve by creating me so quirky that it kept me a little isolated and away from peers that would have pushed me down a path of destruction. Despite all the terrible things that happened to me and all the rebellious and sinful things that I did, I could not name a time where God had failed me. Something stirred inside of me, probably the Holy Spirit, and that shifted in an instant my attitude toward God. I couldn't ever relate to God as a father because I didn't grow up with a stable, present, loving father. But I did grow up wishing for that. That desire for unconditional love and stability was answered in God the Father. I think God used 17 years of me hearing scraps of the gospel, of me witnessing other Christians loving each other well, of me being prayed for, to give me this aha moment. The sudden ability to see that in my loneliness, he was with me every step of the way. My desire to seek love and affection and to feel like I had a purpose was a mark of my maker because I am loved and beloved and I do have a purpose. So with my head spinning and my heart pounding, I carefully put my plate under my chair and walked up to that same altar and gave my life to Jesus that night too. I prayed a prayer that I would live my life loving Christ and learning more about Him. I was 30 minutes late to my next dance class, but when I got there, I truly felt like I was dancing on air, like a 500-pound weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. 
And I'd like to think that maybe my face was full of hope, too, for the very first time. That night was a little more than half of my life ago, which is crazy to me. I still sometimes feel lonely. Adult friendships are hard, you guys. I do sometimes burn myself out when I put productivity as my first priority over faith, family, or friendship. I do sometimes still seek affection in the wrong places, but my deep inner need for love and purpose truly is satisfied in Christ. Two summers ago marked the tipping point for me. It was the point in time when I could start saying that I have been a Christian for most of my life. Since that long ago Wednesday night at youth group, I went to Bible college and really studied the Bible to learn about who Jesus is and who he says we are as his people. I met Chris, a strong Christian guy who treated me with kindness, and I married that man. (laughs) And because of the prayers of the church, the influence of my aunt and uncle, and pizza, my children are given the gift of being raised in a Christian home, something I did not have. And because I belong to Christ, I am sustained by him and given grace by him, which allows me to lovingly serve my family, the church, my community, hurting people in the world, and other women, even when I feel like I have nothing to give. That night changed everything for me. Jesus changes everything. My whole life up until that point was defined by me trying to earn love and find purpose and to belong. But I stopped letting that be my defining characteristic because I realized I already belonged to God. That is where my identity now lies. And now... Now I have this record of faithfulness, too many blessings to recount despite having a hard childhood and a difficult marriage and many health issues and some weird family stuff. I love in the Old Testament in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, that there's a woman named Hagar and she is Sarah's servant. Hagar is pregnant with Sarah's husband's baby, Ishmael. She runs to the desert because Sarah has been cruel to her out of jealousy since Sarah herself was unable to conceive. To Sarah in the world, Hagar is seen as an object, not a person. So she runs away in hurt, loneliness, and desperation. But then God. But then God comes to Hagar and tells her about his story and how he has written a part just for her and for her child. And her life doesn't get easier but he gives her hope, love, and purpose. And Hagar calls God El Roy, which means the God who sees me. El Roy is something that I cling to. When others don't see me and I'm feeling hurt or unappreciated, when something I want has been out of reach for so long and I'm growing weary of praying for it day after day, I cling to El Roy. God sees me. He hears me, he knows me, and he loves me. He is the perfect father who not only loves me now, but loves me into the eternal future. And there is nothing that I had to do to earn that. And there's nothing that I can do to turn that love off. So it is my prayer that I can spend the rest of my life here showing that to my children and to others. Y'all want to pray? I want to pray. Is that weird? I don't know if I've ever prayed on a podcast, but let's go. Dear Heavenly Father, you have shown me what love is. You rescued me from my own undoing and turned my shipwreck of a life into poetry and a dance. 
you see me. You always see me for who I am, and yet you love me anyway. Lord, I thank you for anyone who listened to me tell your story and how you adopted me into your family. If there's anyone listening who feels unseen or unloved or without purpose, Lord, I just ask that you encourage her today. Would you whisper in her ear that she is seen and loved and made in your image? Would you soften her heart and point her to evidence of your grace so that she can call you, like Hagar called you, Elroy, the God who sees me? Lord, I need your help to see what's next for me, how I can keep serving you well in your kingdom for your glory, not my glory. Please humble me and remind me that sometimes I am too much. I need less of me and my agenda and more of you and your agenda. Make me more like you and strengthen me to keep studying your word to learn more about you. I love you so much. Thank you for rescuing me and loving past me, me right now, future me, and me through eternity. Amen. Boy, howdy. Thank you for letting me share my story of faith. I have told this story to a few women at my church and to a few close friends, but this is the first time that I have shared it publicly. Thank you for receiving it so openly. And if this stirred up something in you or you just want to say, hey, I identify with what you said, you can always reach me in the DMs on Instagram at Indiana Adams, or you can email me at indiana at todaybytheway.com. I am thankful for all of you, no matter what your faith tradition is or is not. And God loves you, no matter what your faith tradition is or is not. May we as sisters in Christ keep building each other up and cheering each other on for the kingdom. Amen.